Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the September 2nd edition of Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I am Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align, and I am your guide on this 30-minute journey of all things financial. And boy, what a long, strange trip it's been, to quote the Grateful Dead, uh, over the last seven days, Ben Bernanke came out of Jackson Hole with a uh, Grizzly Adams-style uh, shotgun and cut the market off at the knees last week with a 1,000-down uh, day Friday and every day up until yesterday's close, a big negative across all um, stock markets really around the world. Rates have gone up. The uh, 10-year rate uh, now 3.26, uh, quite a bit higher than what it was uh, just a week ago. The 90-day uh, Treasury bill is at 292, so you've got about uh, 34 basis points between the two, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the broadcast. But most items have been uh, decidedly negative. Um, even oil, which had uh, really rallied last week until Friday. Uh, West Texas Intermediate crude went out at 86.42 in yesterday's training, down about 4%. Um, natural gas, however, still above $9 at 9.24. Uh, you look at gasoline, we're down to uh, $2.37 a gallon. Um, a continued decline from the peaks that we saw in mid-June. Gold did dip under 1700 an ounce on Thursday. You may see some buyers step in on that. And of course, our commodity du jour here on this show, lumber at $476 per 1,000 board feet. As I said, we have a great show lined up for you today where we're going to cover uh, maybe some recession indicators, both technical and what I call old-fashioned observational, and discuss financial planning topics that help regard retirement as not the finish line in life, but perhaps just the starting gate. We've got a great show for you today, this Labor Day weekend kickoff. Keep listening right here on this station, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. We shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. Anne Gaphart is my guest, and she is an amazing woman, author, 37 books published, living in rural Kentucky. I love talking to you, Anne. I love listening to your story unfold. Let's talk about your new book, When the Metal Blooms. Why did you choose a time period you did in writing? And I know you said it's a, more about a, a character story. It is. Um, I, my original idea, I don't know, you know, sometimes you just have ideas that sort of pop into your mind. And uh, I was seeing two young girls in an orphanage and uh, I knew there had to be a reason for them to be there. So I had their uh, father have passed away in the army in the 19, 
1718 flu epidemic, and their mother has come down with tuberculosis and has to go to a sanatorium. So she didn't have any family to leave the children with. So that's how my two, two young characters, Sienna and Calla, end up in an orphanage. So I needed to pick a time period before World War II. So it would be a time when tuberculosis was prevalent in the country. Many people died of tuberculosis. It was not called a pandemic. It was an endemic because tuberculosis had always been around. But for some reason, perhaps because people lived closer together, it became much more deadly in that period of time. And they started doing the sanatoriums and hoped that fresh air, good food, and rest would be a healing part. And they didn't really know about how to heal it until much later. So, yeah. And also, I wanted it to be a rural time, a time when you could go out to Meadowland. You may have not gotten to Meadowland yet. Not yet. They're still in the closet. <laughs> you, you will uh, eventually get to Meadowland, and mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a story about how nature can be a healing force and lead people back to God. I have a character you haven't met yet, Dirk, who was badly burned in a fire when he was younger. Now, I've heard and about him. You've mentioned him. Mm -hmm. uh, lost his true love, and not there's a little mystery about how that happened or why it happened or even if it did happen. But but uh, Dirk is badly scarred, and so he lives a reclusive life. And, but he loves it out on his Meadowland farm, and, and he's willing to go rescue the two girls from the orphanage so that they can be healed on the farm as well. I, I love the way your story is unfolding. I really do. And does that come easy for you? Do you write and the story unfolds or do you know the story before you write it and then you write it as far as the inspiration for your characters and how things are going to turn out? I usually start out like with a what if question like this one. What if you have these two young girls in the orphanage mm -hmm. uh, or some of my other books or what if this or that, you know, happens. And after that, I, I uh, try to get to know my characters and they lead me through the story. I don't know what's exactly going to happen. I usually have an end point in mind. Uh, sometimes it's easy, but most of the times I hit some spots where I'm thinking, oh, nobody will ever want to read this book. But you just have to keep writing through those uh, spots and Generally, surprisingly, when I get to the end and read it over, it's much better than I thought it was while I was writing. What What do you enjoy most about writing? I enjoy after I've gotten the book finished and I get to go back and edit and make it better. Mm -hmm. uh, I like doing edits if it's my idea. It's a little harder when it's somebody telling me you need to do this or that. But I like making my story as tight and readable as I can. I like getting to know the characters. They become very real to me. Uh, it's, it's just a, a, a process. You can't really explain how a character comes to life in your mind. You know how it happens when you read. Mm -hmm. But it somewhat happens the same way when you write. That character sort of becomes a different part of you. Absolutely. Now, you say you do your own editing. After you go back and edit, then do you have someone else come in and look at it and also do some editing? Well, I send it off to my editor and, and mm -hmm. the publishing company. They have The editor has the uh, first edits, and then, then they send it to a 
content editors after that. So it gets, gets a lot of other edits, but I want it to be as good as I can make it before I send it to my yes, publisher. Absolutely. What do you hope your readers take away from your books? Well, I always want them to be entertained by the story, to be glad they read the story. I like it if it can, in some ways, encourage them, uh, perhaps open up new new ideas about uh, Kentucky history, new ideas about how to get along with other people, uh, even new ideas about how to find a closer walk with the Lord, which a lot of times my characters do do that, even though I try not to be preachy in my books. They do have a faith journey. Most of my characters have a faith journey. Hello and welcome to the September 2nd edition of Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I am Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align, and I am your guide on this 30-minute journey of all things financial. And boy, what a long, strange trip it's been, to quote the Grateful Dead, uh, over the last seven days, Ben Bernanke came out of Jackson Hole with a uh, Grizzly Adams-style uh, shotgun and cut the market off at the knees last week with a thousand uh, down day Friday and every day up until yesterday's close, a big negative across all um, stock markets really around the world. Rates have gone up. The uh, 10-year rate uh, now 3.26, uh, quite a bit higher than what it was uh, just a week ago. The 90-day uh, Treasury bill is at 292, so you've got about uh, 34 basis points between the two, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the broadcast. But most items have been uh, decidedly negative. Um, even oil, which had um, really rallied last week until Friday. Uh, West Texas Intermediate crude went out at 86.42 in yesterday's training, down about 4%. Um, natural gas, however, still above $9 at 9.24. Uh, you look at gasoline, we're down to uh, $2.37 uh, a gallon. Um, a continued decline from the peaks that we saw in mid-June. Gold did dip under 1700 an ounce on Thursday. You may see some buyers step in on that. And of course, our commodity du jour here on this show, lumber at $476 per 1,000 board feet. As I said, we have a great show lined up for you today where we're going to cover uh, maybe some recession indicators, both technical and what I call old-fashioned observational and discuss financial planning topics that help regard retirement as not the finish line in life, but perhaps just the starting gate. We've got a great show for you today, this Labor Day weekend kickoff. Keep listening right here on this station, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? 
Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. In today's investment segment detail, we're going to talk about what are some longer-term inflation hedges. Uh, you know, if you listen to people, some people think maybe the only way to hedge inflation long-term is gold. Uh, newbies may think some type of crypto could do that. But uh, our friends at Ameriprise, uh, they've got uh, their Global Asset Allocation Committee uh, talks about maybe using a different type of asset for a longer-term inflation hedge. And with inflation in the forefront, there's more and more people interested in this. As a reminder, these are no solicitations to buy or sell any securities, just general ideas and data compiled uh, looking backwards um, with what's gone on in markets from years past. So perhaps, perhaps, perhaps stocks in 2022 may be a long-term inflation hedge. And as I said at the open of the show, the S&P 500 index uh, closed yesterday uh, below the psychologically important 4,000 level and below its 50-day moving average, quickly giving back half of its summer gains. Markets soured in the wake of Fed Chairman Powell's reminder last week at Jackson Hole that the Fed is willing to, quote, use its tools forcefully, unquote, to bring down inflation. Tools meaning mainly raising interest rates. Even if it means bringing some pain to household and businesses, unquote, as a consequence of the continued rate increasing regimen. While stocks already appear to be pricing in a level of pain consistent with an economic slowdown or even a short-term recession, it does appear stocks could be biased to further downward pressure over the coming weeks. That stocks are lower this year is not a surprise to listeners of this show uh, or people that watch the markets in general. And to add insult to injury, the loss is bigger if you factor in eroding effects of inflation, dropping from 16.4% to 20.7% on the S&P if you consider it in quote-unquote real terms. While investors continue to worry about how stocks may perform during the near-term inflation pressure, stocks have historically and consistently outperform inflation if you hold them long enough. Uh, so, you know, if you look at minimum annualized real return for stocks, that is, uh, you know, after, you know, recession, uh, you know, since 1871, uh, you know, what you've seen is on a, uh, you know, 30-year 
rolling return bases going back a whopping 150 years. Now, <laughs> if you're a listener of this show, uh, you know that uh, this is the longest time frame I've ever quoted. What you get is a real return, so you get inflation plus about 2% a year by investing in stocks for the long run. Now, let's look at the percentage of time stocks had a positive real return since 1871 based on a rolling, say, 12-month time frame. Uh, generally, uh, basically, six, almost 69% of the time, if you've owned stocks, you've had positive real returns for every 12-month time frame since 1871. So, uh, literally... You know, thirty percent. You know, for a for a century, you'd have positive returns. Uh, on a three-year average annual basis, it jumps up to seventy-eight point two percent of the time you've had real positive returns. On a five-year basis, it's about eighty-one. Uh, on a ten-year basis, it's eighty-eight, and on a twenty-year basis, it's ninety-nine point nine. When you get out to a thirty-year rolling return, it's been one hundred percent of the time. So. You know, there's been a lot of bad stuff happen in the last 151 years around planet Earth, but definitely that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty proof positive. So in the charts I was reading, you can see that while stocks outperformed inflation in nearly 7 out of 10 12-month periods, the biggest after-inflation loss for stocks was nearly 60% based on data going back to 1871. However, for longer-term investors that remained invested for 20 years or more, the after-tax losses were nearly non-existent. You have to remember that investing is a journey through wars, depressions, recessions, and pandemics. The setbacks of the day have not put an end to the stock market's climb higher. And though uncertainties abound regarding inflation in this day and time and any quote-unquote pain that may be orchestrated by the Fed, uh, there is a lot of evidence to believe a longer-term perspective can help recenter your focus. Um, finally, I'll kind of close this segment with this. I want to remind investors that an allocation to stocks should primarily be a strategic decision and based on investment goals. Um, assets earmarked for shorter-term objectives should be managed differently than those set aside for longer-term ambition. So, for example, goals within zero to th three years Conservative assets such as cash and bonds carry a higher allocation given the near-term nature of those goals and a lack of opportunity for investments to earn back any significant unexpected losses, uh, including losses against inflation. On a four- to seven-year horizon for goals, um, you have a little bit more time to invest. Assets with higher potential for increasing wealth like equities start coming into the picture. So you heard it here. You know, you really don't want to be in stocks unless you've got more than four years for your goals. At an 8- to 15-year uh, goal horizon, growth assets like equities assume a more central role. Equities are typically more unpredictable than assets like cash or, or bonds, but longer-term time frames may help weather those shorter-term fluctuations. And finally, once you get out to 16-plus years, you really want to be looking at growth assets like stocks and have them take a leading role. Stocks are typically more unpredictable than assets like cash or fixed income, but the longer time period may help weather those short-term fluctuations and may be able to help protect 
against the eroding effects of inflation. So keep in mind, the longer you have to be invested, the more you can be in stocks. One thing to think about, and this is kind of, you know, putting on a different hat, so to speak, is once you're retired, you really reach a finish line of working. But if you're like most listeners of this show, you may plan on living a long, long time. You know, if you retire at 59, um, your life expectancy is going to take you out probably close to, you know, your mid-80s, depending if you're a, a, a woman or a man. You know, that's two 16-year time periods. So just because you do retire doesn't mean that you've reached the finish line in your investing life. So that's one thing to keep in mind. When we come back in the financial planning segment, we'll take a deeper dive on some of those thoughts uh, and theories. But keep listening to Financial Fridays right here on this station. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. When today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, private wealth advisor with Align. And this is our financial planning segment of the show. And kind of as we said in our last segment, talking about investment timeframes and inflation, we're going to take a deeper dive once you start thinking about your retirement planning to not think of your retirement date as a finish line as so much as a starting line. So depending on when you want to retire, uh, the um, Internal Revenue Service has a life expectancy table for you that you may or may not agree with. Now, keep in mind, uh, the people, the actuaries that put these together are pretty, pretty good, but they may not know exactly who may pass away in a given year, but they do know pretty close and spot on that um, what are the life expectancies of many, many people throughout the United States of America. And with that said, if you're going to retire around 59 or, or 62, you may be looking at a life expectancy that is well over um, you know, closing in on, on 30 years. People are living longer and longer. I think the textbook at a uh, age um, 59 retirement is, is a figure that, you know, quite frankly, uh, may not be believable. But if you look at the IRS, you know, timetables uh, or life expectancy tables, what they have to show is pretty enlightening from the standpoint that um, what they say is 
that the 59-year-old uh, has a life expectancy of 26.1 years. Uh, if you work to uh, 65 and retire, you have a 21-year life expectancy. So most of those are putting people out to right around age 86 uh, in life expectancies. That table has been recently updated just uh, probably three or four years ago. So think of retirement as a starting line. And as we listened in the last segment, the longer time you have to invest, really it's incumbent upon you to look to equities to provide a way, really maybe the only consistent way, as we heard, to beat inflation uh, time frame after time frame. Um, yes, from 1871 till now, there's been one year that had a 61% drawdown, but that was one time in 150 years. And the longer-term time frames, once you get 20 years plus, definitely stocks have a place in a portfolio. Now, stocks are risky, and you need to invest as part of a comprehensive financial plan according to your risk appetite. But one thing that stocks do have, not all, but some, that make them attractive for retirees is the ability to pay dividends. Uh, typically, dividends are the cash flow a company earns. Not all of it, but it's the amount that management sees fit to pass through to shareholders. One of the good things about dividends are when companies tend to do well, they oftentimes will increase their dividends. Uh, that, if you're retired, can increase your paycheck. Some companies have track records of increasing their dividends uh, very, very frequently. There's a lot of investment lists out there that show what those companies are and how long they've done it. Now, keep in mind, uh, just as dividends go up, they can be cut. We saw some of that happen during the Great Recession. We've also seen it happen on company-specific stocks. For example, BP reduced their dividend and cut it uh, when they had the uh, Deepwater Horizon disaster out in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, as they were hemorrhaging not only oil but cash flow. Uh, General Electric has been another poster child for a dividend that was uh, cut after years of uh, paying a dividend and actually decades of increasing the dividend. So the, th the item on a company's um, ability to pay a dividend that's the most important thing to watch really is its free cash flow. So if a company is making money, um, doing well by its shareholders, et cetera, they should have the ability to pass through that cash flow to their investors and their owners. So that's another reason to look at uh, a diversified portfolio. Secondarily, besides equities, another item that should not avert your gaze would be the alternative asset classes. And as we've said before on this show, uh, that's a big statement because alternative asset classes can mean <clears throat> a variety of different types of investments, but these can be pass-through entities such as REITs or private equity companies or business development companies that do have tax benefits for passing the cash flow they earn through to their shareholders. One thing to notice with these companies is 
they have to have cash flow to pass it through. So it's not as if um, that's a guaranteed income stream, but there are a lot of these outfits that have been around for decades that have had a extended track record of paying uh, really large amounts of cash flow to shareholders and making it uh, something that uh, their shareholders have very much appreciated. And the final thing we'll talk about is cash flow payments is if you've studied this, one thing you may notice is a lot of foreign companies um, dot the list of higher dividend paying stocks. Now, here in the U.S., we'd have to buy their ADRs or their American depository receipts. But in a lot of uh, foreign jurisdictions, there definitely is a premium placed on the ability to return capital to shareholders rather than just to keep reinvesting. Um, so, you know, if you don't have the risk appetite to invest in, you know, international companies, you know, that may be something you can uh, overlook. But if you have a kind of wide open template and are agnostic of where your money's invested, uh, what you'll notice is a lot of times European counterparts or, um, Australian counterparts and Canadians pay more in dividends um, than some of the U.S. companies in the same lines of business. But those are just a few things to consider as you begin to think about your retirement, not finish line, but starting line. And a lot of things, you know, in your mind, you know, just kind of, you know, think about that, reframe it, that retirement's just the beginning and not the end. Keep listening to Financial Fridays. We'll be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the email bag segment of the show where we answer your questions. As a reminder, keep them coming to uh, us at william.a.watson at ampf.com. We will answer your questions on the show. And this week's question comes in about what are some ways to know if you're in a recession, well, a couple things. There's all kinds of different ways. <coughs> Excuse me. They sometimes talk about the eyeball test. The eyeball test would be, uh, you know, the unemployment office having a line wrapped around the building uh, is one eyeball test. But but all kidding aside, 
I think um, you know there was a senator back in the eighties that when he was asked to about pornography said he couldn't uh, define it, but he knew it when he saw it. So I think a recession, you know it when you're living through it. Now, there are a couple things that tend to be uh, good historical uh, giveaways that are lead-ups to recessions. Some of those is what's called a treasury curve inversion. And uh, FactSet has put out a lot of uh, charts showing that usually the most um, – uh, to say the one that is probably the, the best indicator is when the three-month treasury bill and the 10-year treasury spread, the difference between the yield on a 10-year treasury note and a 90-day note um, is uh, inverted. So basically right now we're not in an inversion, but there's only a very thin what they call 28 basis points. So just barely more than a quarter of a percentage point um, as of Monday between a three-month tie-up and a 10-year tie-up. So that means that an investor willing to tie up their money on a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond will receive just 0.28% more in a yield than an investor willing to lend the government their money for just 90 days. So think about that for a minute. Is uh, you know One of the bedrocks of finance is that uh, the longer you tie your money up for the more the higher the interest rate you should get on your money but right now the difference between 90 days and 10 years uh, which would be 3,650 days is just a little bit more than a quarter of a point and uh, as I've discussed on this show previously shorter term government bond rates have risen more rapidly this year compared to longer-term rates due to differing inflation expectations over the yield curve's term structure and expectation for tighter Fed rate policy over the near term. While the two-year 10-year Treasury spread inverted in early July, the three-month to 10-year spread has remained positive all year. However, that positive spread has continued to narrow uh, really since uh, the last few weeks and uh, Powell's Jackson Hole spread speech and the risks turning negative as the Federal Reserve continues to push its Fed funds rate higher, thus placing more upward pressure on shorter-term government bond rates versus longer rates. Well, you may say, why does that matter? And a lot of economists view the three-month, 10-year Treasury spread is a more reliable recession indicator that tends to turn negative in or before a recession. While stocks have largely already priced in an economic slowdown or shallow recession at this point, uh, a lot of people believe equities could find it difficult to rally more significantly until shorter-term rates stop climbing higher and inversions along the curve begin to normalize. That is, shorter rates start to yield less than longer rates. Investors should continue to navigate bouts of market volatility through a world well-diversified investment strategy, a concentration of high-quality income-producing investments, and always a good idea to use pullbacks across quality assets to opportunistically put cash to work. So that's typically one definition of a recession that you see um, is yield curve inversions. As I said, uh, you know, there's different points on what they call the misery index, which is the uh, inflation rate plus the unemployment rate. Usually when that is um, 
double digits. Uh, it means you're in for uh, some not so good times in the economy. Once you're above 12, um, it's definitely recessionary. If you're ever uh, above 13 or 14, you're definitely uh, historically knee deep in a recession. That would be, you know, where inflation is today. That'd be about a six percent inflation rate on top of a eight percent. Sorry, six percent unemployment on top of eight percent inflation. So none of that would be good, um, you know. But as I said, other eyeball tests are large amounts of layoffs, people looking for work, unable to find work, um, general economic uh, slowdown. Another big tip-off, especially in the housing market, is when you start seeing the prices of homes beginning to slump at a fairly quick pace and not rebounding anytime soon. So at that point, you have usually a lot more properties on the market than buyers looking. Now, given the way real estate's gone up uh, really since the recession, or I'm sorry, the COVID recession and COVID hit, uh, you could see a pretty quick unwind in some uh, excesses that have accumulated in the housing market. Finally, some other recessionary tip-offs um, RB, you know, you would say kind of a run on the bank, so to speak, as it pertains to real hardcore consumer staples items. People begin uh, what they call an economic substituting. So um, in a gross example, they quit eating uh, tenderloin and start eating spam uh, or bologna. But even that is not as cheap as it used to be. So if you start seeing a lot of substituting going on in the grocery store, which has started, uh, you know, private label brands are now outpacing um, name brands because they're usually a little bit cheaper. That type of substitutive behavior uh, usually spells you are probably close to or in a recession. So those are some things, um, and I'm sure if you've got other ideas and commentary, please don't hesitate to for them my way um and and i would say finally uh the number of cars driving around i had uh some older clients always remind me they gauged a recession by the lack of traffic um at the different intersections and at gas stations because once we are in a real recession people will start watching every penny and definitely the cost of coming and going is um higher and higher with unleaded gasoline prices where they are. So that could, too, be a reliable recession indicator. But we'll keep our eye out for those. And in the meantime, keep listening to Financial Fridays because we'll be back same time, same station next week. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend, everybody. And most of all, go Irish, beat the Bucks. This is WOMI Owensboro, 99.1 FM and 1490 AM. Translator W256CF, a Town Square media station. A rise in unemployment. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. It ticked up last month as more Americans entered the job force, but there was a slowdown in hiring down from more than a half million jobs created in July. 315,000 for non-farm jobs. That is a slight beat over estimates to the unemployment rate. That went to 3.7%. Fox Business Network, Cheryl Cassoni. The report's going over well on Wall Street. The Dow is surging up 150 points. President Biden 
took aim at former President Trump and his supporters, calling them dangerous for democracy. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights. In a primetime address in Philadelphia, the president said it's only a minority of Republicans, but the party is... Dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Now, Republicans say he vilified millions of Americans. Congressman Jim Jordan tells Fox. He came across as a sad, angry, kind of bitter old man here. Kind of looked like the, the lighting and all sort of looked like Darth Vader, it seemed to me. <laughs> Former President Trump posted on social media, the president threatened America. He must be insane. Now, Trump also on a radio show said if elected again, he'd pardon the hundreds of people convicted after last year's Capitol riot. A retired New York cop, Thomas Webster, got the stiffest sentence yet 10 years for a assaulting a police officer, a New Jersey man will also head to prison. The Justice Department says Julian Cater has pleaded guilty to felony assault charges and faces a maximum of 20 years in prison when he is sentenced in December. Cater, along with George Tanios, a childhood friend, had pepper and bear spray with them when they breached the Capitol grounds on January 6th. Tanios pleaded guilty to lesser charges in July. Fox's Tanya J. Powers, a five-year-old boy has died in Chicago days after he was shot in the head in a drive-by while his mom was buckling into a car seat. There been no arrests. America's listening to Fox News. If you're living with aches and pains, especially if they're frequent and nagging and relentless, I want you to take a moment and think back to the last time you really felt good. Can you even remember what it felt like? Now, here's even a more important question. What would you give to go back to feeling like that again? Maybe it would just be nice to take a stroll with your loved one or play with your grandchildren. I've suffered from persistent, crippling pain almost all the time for about five years. When I started taking Relief Factor, I took it because my wife made me start taking it. I didn't think it would work for me. Yet here I am today, virtually pain-free, doing the things I love to do, all thanks to my wonderful wife and Relief Factor. I love that it's not a drug, but it was developed by doctors, and about 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. Are you part of that 70% that can get your life back? Your first step to becoming pain-free just might be to order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. relieffactor.com. Again, there are some gains on Wall Street after the jobs report showing hiring was about what was expected last month. 315,000 jobs created with a rise in unemployment from 35 to 3.7% as more people joined the labor force. The Dow is now up 70 points. The NASDAQ is also higher. The S&P 500 making gains. The price of oil rising $2, up close to 89 bucks a barrel again, while gas drops two more pennies. It's now fallen 80 straight days since June's record. AAA's national average for regular is just under 381 a gallon, the dollar 20 less than the all-time high. The Biden administration is going to hand out a billion dollars in grants, hoping to boost some parts of the economy. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo says the grants will go towards manufacturing, clean energy, biotech, farming, and other industries. $65 million will go to California's farm production, another $65 million for artificial intelligence in Georgia, and $63 million will be heading to West Virginia coal counties to help them shift to solar power as well as find new uses for the abandoned mines. The projects were chosen by the government from over 500 applications that wanted to receive funding, which was part of the nearly $2 trillion COVID relief package. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. NASA 
is still hoping tomorrow is a better day to launch the new Artemis moon rocket after Monday's failed attempt at the Kennedy Space Center. We ran final leak checks on the inner tank umbilical. So this was the area that had a, a leak during launch countdown uh, event one. Um, again, all past ambient along with the tail service mast umbilicals. So good leak checks there. NASA's Jeremy Parsons. There is a chance of stormy weather in Florida postponing this launch as well of a six-week test mission around the moon for the new Orion space capsule. It's unmanned but we'll have test dummies on board to check for exposure to radiation and other conditions. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News.